The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hey everyone, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Darren Karp, as always. <laughs> and I'm Liz Cully, and we have a dear friend of mine on the show today. About to be a dear friend of mine as well. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. We've got Bri Crash, who's the creative director at Bustle Digital Group, my alma mater. Also, what a great name. It's, great name. He's the best. It's a good name. Thank you I so much. Strongly I strongly encourage you guys to follow Bri on Instagram. He will be linked in everything <laughs> so you will know. I mean, I wanted you specifically on the show today for a couple of reasons. Oh God, I hope that they're good reasons. Well, yeah, you know one of them. I mean, it may, what if you brought me on to just like throw me like a rag doll? Like you're like, we have you here today. <laughs> I was I was going to say, you didn't come on shirtless, so you didn't get the memo from Liz apparently about what we require, but okay. I'm, sorry, I'm really far behind on my emails. Yeah. <laughs> no, the main reason, and we'll get to that in a minute, is we do have... Alaska Thunderfuck on the show oh. for the interview portion. And I just so felt like this was really the show for you to be on. And I didn't even also know that we would have such a news cycle week, which I really wanted your hot take on. So, Bri, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. Thank you for joining us for what we call the Q, which is our a little chat key in the beginning. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so excited. Also, before we start, can we just make sure, are you still on your soup cleanse? Oh, I'm thing. off. I'm off the soup Gosh, cleanse. Thank God. Because honestly, I was I was concerned. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. If No one wanted to record with Liz on a soup cleanse. No, I, I was worried for you. Like, it no. seemed very stressful. Taxing. I'm okay. I, my sugar cravings have been curbed. I'm feeling good. I mean, you look tan. I just need, I look tan. Yeah, I know. Rachel lip, said I look tan. Too. Look, she's telling me right now I look tan. You I look don't know. tan. Maybe I it's also a dark lip, red I lipstick. Think it's a lip color. Yeah, I think it is. Good. It's the contrast. Okay. All well, right. Thank you. I want to kick off this cue with before we get into the news cycle because I haven't met Brian. I mean, I met him like two minutes ago, but like we yeah, don't know each other yet, right? So I was on the phone with Liz the other day, and as I'm on the phone with Liz, shooting the shit, doing whatever we're doing, I get a DM, and I want to read you the DM, and I want you to know if I should respond. And if so, what you would say. Are you ready for it? Oh my God, yes, I am so excited. So it's in my requests folder. This isn't someone I know, obviously. Perfect. It's got a bunch of emojis, including a fire emoji, it says. Oh, I'm already out. You're already out? Okay. (laughs) Hey man, I'm so horny and want a piece of your dick. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Come on, send me a snap. Wow, bunny, wow. Bikini, lips emoji. My link here now with the cum wet drops. Point and then the hole for like fingering. Bri. Wait, walk what? Me. You didn't it. tell me about the emojis. Because I, I had to keep it, I had to keep it fresh for That's the That's an important detail. Okay, yeah. first of all, this person is making so many assumptions and incorrect <laughs> assumptions. Like, hey man, I can't wait to ride that dick or whatever. Send me a yeah. snap. So you're not, not to only wow, buddy, wow. to come in. <laughs> unsolicited but you're gonna require me to switch apps to a different app to send you a snap does not make sense thank you okay so i should i I have every right to be bothered by it the thing is though it didn't even the hey man i'm like all right sometimes to be fair i could even see saying that to liz like in an email as like general vernacular like i grew up in jersey everyone was like what up guys hey man what's going on but like once it's, I'm so horny and want a piece of your dick, I knew they didn't know who the fuck they were talking to. So I shouldn't Absolutely respond not. to this. 
Oh, you a thousand percent should. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> should. Uh, no, okay, listen. Okay, my what's favorite the response? thing. Like, I always get in the request folder. I always get the insane messages that's like from Instagram being like, "You have violated copyright." Have you ever yes, gotten these? I those, got yeah, one those of those. Are, no, but those are phishing. Those oh, are phishing, all and fake, like, and I engage with them every time. Every single time <laughs> I engage with them. What do you I'm, say? Oh, really? Oh my god! What did I do? And they're like. Uh, I can't disclose that right now. I need you to send me uh, the password to your Instagram. And I'm like, okay, well, let me just try and find it. And I'd like literally be like, well, so where are you from? Like, I really, my Instagram's really important to me. Like, I don't want you to, like, they will fully talk. They're not bots. There are pe- full people. And the last time I did Whoa. it, this guy was like, okay, listen, I'm a hacker. If no. You give, if you will give me your Instagram account, because I'm verified right. and they wanted the verification. They were like, if you will give me your Instagram account, I will give you an account with 30,000 followers because I'm a hacker. I will be a hacker for you. And I was like, wait, I need that. What's that guy's name? His name's Instagram copyright. Yeah. Instagram copyright. (laughs) But also if you're so good at hacking, sweetheart, figure out my Instagram password on your own. This is what I'm saying. I'm like, you are not a hacker. You just have seen hackers on the internet because if you were a hacker, you probably would have just taken it, which please don't because I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to like bring that into my life, but. A few years ago, I got an email and it was like, this was, this was like four years ago and it had a very old password. Like I'm talking about like your first AOL screen name days. And it was like, this is your password. You know, you've been hacked. And it was like this long man was like, I have access to your computer and your camera. And I see you watching porn and you leave your camera on. And this is your, (laughs) well, yeah. And this is your camera. And if you don't give me like $15,000, I'm going to expose all this. And like, okay. Like first off, these aren't typical emails, right? But because it had kind of this old password from years ago, like iterations different, I was like, that's a little weird. And it's not a password like password one, two, three, four. Like this was like a password that's like a little bit. Like a real password. Yeah. It's like, like a Darren real password, loves like, pussy. Yeah. Two, three, two, three. <laughs> no, that was the before that. That was the old password. Now it's it. Darren loves pussy exclamation point, which is ah, a little different. It. With like caps. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes, we switch yes, it up. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like freaked out and I called my dad and I was like, dad, <laughs> I was like, got this weird email and I don't know what to do. And my dad was like, uh. Like, are you watching weird porn? Like, he's like, do I need to know about something? And I was like, oh, about the porn part. Are you really watching enough porn? (laughs) No, not at all. That's the thing. I'm not really into porn. That's just not my thing. And, and I was like, no, dad, I don't know. He goes, then it's a phishing email. And I was like, oh, I'm glad I had to go through that embarrassment to learn that. So next time I'm going to call up Bry and he's going to fucking help me. Please do. I would love to engage on your behalf. Yes. So wait. Anyway, now we're a little closer. Do we decide what emojis we were going to send back to the person? Oh yeah, like how would I troll this person back, Bry? Like what would I say? Hey man, I'm so horny. I want a piece of your dick. What would I say? Send me a snap on wow, bunny, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of <laughs> saying the message like that, like really straightforward, like engaging. And then the emojis just being like psychotic and or yes. like unidentifiable. Like there are some emojis in here that I'm like, what on God's green earth could they possibly be trying to represent <laughs> with these emojis? Or it's just like, why did you design that one? You know what I really love is responding <laughs> people with the cartwheel. Mm, just because that, like, that could be that sassy. Is a good mixed message you know mm-hmm. a good mixed yeah. message yeah i'm that, carefree fuck me but also like you can't get me like it's, yeah it's all See? over the place catch yeah. me i like that's, the, like that's really good one i kind of like that one maybe i'll just respond back to this person saying 
Oh, do you? With a cartwheel emoji. And there's, like there's the a question. Gas there, there's a gas pump one. You could add Ooh, that. that's a good that one. Like, a, like kind of undertones. Um, there's a Statue of Liberty. Oh, that's... Yes, that. you've been... Come on, Daddy. <laughs> do you want to pump my gas in New York? Oh, my God. Well, okay, actually, wait. it's kind of in New Jersey. Yeah, now, sorry. Speaking of pulling back layers of people, like <laughs> you and your, your porn addiction. Segway, yes. Apparently. No, no. Well, Stunning. there's there's something, Darren, about Bri that I didn't tell you. I am the one that has been messaging you. Are I, you well, Bunny no. Wow? I am well, Bunny Wow. I'm, no. I'm, I'm so happy to meet you face to face. I mean, I knew you wanted me, but I didn't realize it was that bad. You know what? I, this is easier than that. So I'm glad I'm here. So aside from the fact that Bri has this beautiful picture of people stand up paddle boarding behind him. Can you imagine having this? This, this is not my home. This is not my home. <laughs> I just want you to know. For the, for the folks listening, there is a beautiful portrait behind me of two young women on a paddle board at sunset. But typically when I zoom with Bri, he's got an animal kingdom with him. He has pigeons that are pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dog. Okay. Do you have a cat? No cat. The cat no would cat. eat the bird. Because the pigeon. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a conflict of he interest. He has a pet pigeon. Like for realsies, like on client oh, calls too, with birds on the shoulders. I'm terror. <laughs> Rachel is at the table dying <laughs> laughing right now. Real talk. Like Bri has pigeons. It is not a lie. But also what's it's more. It's like having a squirrel as a no, pet. No, no, like he actually, it's a pet. It's like a real Oh, thing. I would love a squirrel as a pet, but go on. <laughs> he is a Disney prince, former. Retired. Which, retired which, Disney prince. There's a lot to unpack here. I told because you, I know. Like a bun cake, not a bun cake, like a normal cake. Layers. A bun cake is a circle. You're an onion, my friend, because now I'm picturing, and granted, you were a prince, and I get that, but I'm actually picturing a Disney princess with birds coming at her in the forest because she's so one with nature. That's how I'm picturing you because you never saw like Prince Charming get like the nature stuff. You saw like the Prince Charming. Wait, which prince were you again? Well, it's funny that you say that you picture me as a princess because I too picture myself as a princess so, <laughs> so I got that, actually, that right okay yeah you actually yeah. got that right um I was Prince Philip which is Sleeping Beauty's prince the best oh um, my the best. Best. which is under controversy though right now <gasps> oh yes because of the consent. because it's non-consensual yes I know yeah. well people are picking apart these Disney things like I mean, they're picking apart do Dr. Something. Seuss and this shit so it's like I guess nothing's off the table although that like that seems like a stretch like it is, she's sleeping. Is she's under a spell. Like this did you, is like. Did you kiss the princess in yeah, the, like you? when you did it at Disney okay. World? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Adults that go to Disney World are psychotic, and yes, I, yeah, I, yeah, I no love, shit, Bri. Okay, obviously, the listen, this is the tea. I and not with Disney their children, world. like by oh, themselves, no, 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 many times. But but we appreciate Disney oh, no, lovers. I, no, this is what I'm going to say. This is what I was going to say. Yeah, I. Worked at Disney World for eight years. Eight years he worked at Disney World. Eight years. I love Disney World. I love Disney. It's the happiest place on earth. I love the whole thing. I'm not even kidding. I I love it. However, there are some people that go there that are absolutely divorced from reality, which I guess that's part of the goal. But the things that they would ask us to do 
unhinged. Okay, so like, give us one crazy thing. I'll, I'll give you a crazy thing. So like when when you're like working with like a prince and a princess, right? You most of the time you just met right before you go out there. Like you you just met. So I would go out there with this woman that is a complete stranger to me and we have to act like we are in love and we whatever, which like is fine. People would come up through the line and ask us to do insane, like old men would always want us to kiss. Always. They'd be like, why don't don't you put a kiss on your princess? And I was like, you have to like figure out how to like get out of that because like she is a stranger. (laughs) So I'm not going to be like, let's kiss stranger because like we already have pandemic problems. We don't need to encourage the swapping of germs and diseases. So I literally have to be like, oh, well, I don't think that that kind of display of affection would be appropriate in such an occasion. Well, why don't you kiss your wife? Like this like insane, like having to like turn it around on people. It's just, or like, uh, why don't you hold her a little tighter? I'm like, you, you are. They're living out their like sexual, like, yeah. Like the pure fantasies through you. Wait, confirm or deny. I've heard that if you play like a character at a Disney world or land or whatever, that like, there's only one of you and that's it. Like there's only one Cinderella. Like there's no like multiple Cinderella's around the park. Like there's one Cinderella and like that's Cinderella. Isn't like that true? So you have it like the ethos of it, correct? But it is actually worse than what you think. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> They, it, it's called, I, I literally, I have anxiety even saying this because I was doing Is it like so you don't talk about Fight Club? You do not talk about <laughs> Fight Club. Like it's, it is that. Yeah. It is exclusive. It is like well, a little, like, yeah. it is like you will be fired like that. They call it character integrity. Yes. Yes. And yes. You cannot break like, character. The characters are real. The characters are real. You are not playing character. Cinderella is Cinderella. There's one right. of her because that's her. So you like literally people would be like, oh, what do you do? I'd be like, I work at Disney World. And they'd be like, oh, what do you do there? And I'd be like, uh, I'm a, I'm friends with Prince Philip and like adults who are like, no, it's good. They'd be like, what? Like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> like I, I like would, I would not be like, oh, yeah, I played like a prince or whatever. They would like I wouldn't say that. So I'd be like, I'm friend. And they'd be like, no one is around. Like, we're at your house. Like, why? Why, why can't you just like be normal? It is a very weird it's a whole culture bubble thing. I give them credit though for that. Like there's oh, part I mean, of me that's, that's like so happy that they do that because especially as a kid, like when you're living the magic and there, listen, I took many trips to Florida. I love Disney World, you know, like I've never been really to is, Disneyland or Disney World ever. I've never been to Disneyland. Are you kidding me? But Disney no. World Disneyland's is, trash. It is a little bit like compared to worlds, like compared whenever California's like, let's go to land. I'm like, well, I mean, it's really in the world. I'd rather go to the world. Yeah, I, I could spend an afternoon in Disneyland, but I can spend a week in Disney World. I, mm. I do appreciate their commitment. I do appreciate oh, a thousand percent. Liz, if you were going to be a Disney princess, who would you be? Aurora. Sleeping oh, Beauty. Why? What, what about her? Well, I'll tell you why. Because one, I thought she was the prettiest one. Two, I had the Barbie. Three, I liked that she went from a pink dress to a blue dress. And my favorite scene in the movie is when with the cakes and they keep all the 
fairy, they keep changing the color of the cake and the color of her dress and they co- and all the cake is everywhere and it's in the trees. I love that and her main thing. reason is cake, by the way. Of just uh, the, the takeaway from But do you remember what the, the, the scene that I'm talking about where the fairy oh, godmother comes and she changes the color and then they start fighting with each other and it's like blue, green, purple, blue, green, whatever. Sweetie, and it's Prince just like, Philip, he knows. I know. He knows. Of course He's, I know. Honey, of course I know. He, he so knows. I would be Sleeping Beauty. What, Darren, what about you? What, what would you say? I would probably be Aladdin. <laughs> I don't know if I could be a princess. That's I, don't know I, I don't really know if I could pull it off. I'd be like Jafar or something, maybe Ursula. That's what like, I'm saying. I, you know, I need someone with a little more edge. Like, I'm not sure I could really pull off. Like, I'm a fairy and here's this like I, it's just like the the audience would read right through me like i way better <laughs> the at only a thing i think actually that i'm probably more like is tinkerbell because i'm naughty Mm-mm-mm. oh yes mm. thousand percent you know like maybe it could I'm be peter like, pan okay yeah i'll be your okay. tinkerbell oh, yeah, to your peter that. pan i could see well that. speaking of kind of like fake life okay <laughs> sure mm-hmm. okay i'm with you or strict rules. Y'all, this Ellen DeGeneres business over here. What? I just. <laughs> Don't fall out he, of your he's, chair, he's, he's bracing I himself. Like, I cannot. I don't. I mean, I totally saw it coming. But the reason I saw it coming was because her ratings went down really a lot. Like a lot in terms of like, listen, ratings in general as someone who's in TV are down. So when someone's like, oh, your ratings went down, I'm like, yeah, because it's fucking like cable, like, you know, everyone's streaming. So in that sense, I didn't think it was that weird. But I think after all the rumors swirled, it really hurt her. And it was $35 million of ad dollars this year. Yeah. And I mean, it was a good run, but I think... I think the challenging excuse is what we really need to kind of dive into here, yes. right? Because like that, her, she came out and said it was not challenging for her anymore. Bri, what do you think about this? Okay, that is, I do not understand that response at all. I, I feel like it would make sense at this point. She's been going like 19 seasons or something like that. Like, I, I, I would get it if they were like, okay, like, we feel like this is like a great spot. We want to leave on a high note, like... But like saying it's not challenging, that just like has such a weird, like negative connotation. But I will say that kind of is in line with everything else. <laughs> like that actually right. makes sense that that's the the response that she would give or her people would give because it sounds like it is just like a toxic situation in general. But did you see that she also had Oprah on her show to talk about it? No. Yes, I didn't watch the interview yet, but I did see that she was actually going to do it and do it to tell all. What was, was anything revealed there? Did she go, did she deep dive emotionally? I didn't see it either. But what I did read was that Oprah was like, yeah, like I got to the point too, where I was, you know, I was just tired of telling the same story. I couldn't ask people about what mascara they were wearing one more time. Like, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't really remember Oprah asking about that anyway, but. It was just like a very much like, I got you, girl, like go out on a high note, but I'm kind of like, you're not going out on a high note now. And also I blame this entire thing on Dakota Johnson, which I'm here for it. Did you see our beautiful rendering? Oh my God. Wait, go on scissoring isn't a thing. Instagram. Go on on scissoring isn't a thing right now. And tell me that you're not automatically into me and Liz sexually. Just this was it. my little surprise for Darren yesterday when the it news was a broke. surprise and, and she texted <laughs> she texted me and I was like, I, this is not okay. This should be this should be illegal. This should not actually have happened. Do you die? And I'm upset with you. Ask everybody. Ask everybody, Darren. Ask everybody. Ask your producer. Ask your producer. You were invited. 
Okay, the, the Photoshop job on this is Anna stunning. Maria Johnson, folks. It is, it's Anna Maria Johnson. But it is here's so the good. thing, Bri, is like I was like blindly scrolling through Instagram. Like sometimes I'm not looking at the handles, I'm just looking at the pictures and going. Yeah. And I quickly scrolled by and I was like, oh my God, that person looks just like me. And then I, I scrolled up and I was like, oh my God, what the <laughs> fuck did Liz do? So, yeah, oh my God. here's the thing. I, I think Dakota yeah. Johnson it was interesting. I was talking to Rachel about it and she had an interesting perspective that I think you're right, Bri. I think the Dakota Johnson walk the audience through that just in case they didn't. A couple Christmases ago, Dakota Johnson went on Ellen and Ellen trying to be like funny and cute, essentially accused Dakota Johnson of not inviting her to, I believe it was like her 30th birthday, kind of a big birthday. And Dakota like stopped in her tracks and was like, no, not today. I absolutely invited you. Yeah. Now, did you guys know that that weekend that Ellen didn't go to her birthday party was the same weekend that Ellen was photographed with George W. Bush? Oh, yeah. Her bestie. Her, and there was all this at kind the football of, game at, at the, the football Dallas. game. And yeah, so yeah, she right. got a lot match. of flack at the, yeah, ma- at the right, match at the match. <laughs> so it was pretty like obvious she had other plans. So she kind of got tripped up in this lie and. Dakota Johnson fa- now famously says, like, ask everyone, ask everybody, ask your producer, Chris, ask the fucking booking agent, ask everyone. I a thousand right. percent invited you. I got the receipts. And, yeah. Like you didn't come. And I think that was just the beginning of peeling back the layer cake, the onion that Ellen isn't necessarily this like beacon of happiness and joy that she put on her fucking self. I mm-hmm. am a kind person. You are a kind person, Darren. So are you, Bri. But we're not like making our whole fucking brand about being happy and kind. And <laughs> and I think mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, was the downfall of Ellen because she didn't give herself room to be kind of not even negative, but give herself any room. Like nuance, levels. No, no, exactly. It was just happy all the time. I do think you hit it on the head because I think people often forget that Ellen is like a stand-up comedian. Like that's who Ellen actually is. Like she's a talk show host, but like she's a stand-up. And, and we know that they are broken people. They, but broken like people. that's the that's what makes them so funny to an extent. A like I don't even think that's that crazy to say. Like I think every comedian's like, yeah, if I'm not slitting my wrist, I'm doing this. Like that's sort of, of the joke. And and that's what like comedians aren't supposed to be kind, right? Like they're mm-hmm. kind of supposed to be this like acerbic personality that we're all laughing at. And I think for Ellen to have branded herself that way, which I understand wanting to brand yourself that certain way, but then you're caught up in like, then you can never be mean. And she's even talked about it sort of on her show. But I think you can't be a comedian who's snarky and I sort of appreciate her snark and also be kind. And to your point, Liz, I think, yeah, the Dakota thing really maybe shifted the culture, but a lot of people came back to that clip of Mariah Carey when Mariah Carey was oh pregnant my God, yes. and she was trying to get her to sip champagne. I don't know what year that was. Oh. It was obviously years prior, but <laughs> I don't remember which clip came out first, but I'm sure it was Dakota, then the Mariah. And, you know, she was like, well, no, I think it was the other way around. No, Mariah was was first. No, no, yeah, yeah, Mariah was first, but I'm saying the release of people like now thinking Ellen's like the cascade and downfall of Ellen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, oh, are you pregnant? Like, do that. Like, that's a very comedic. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, like, that's kind of a comedian's joke in the room. Yeah. Like, not for a daytime row. Right. Not a daytime 
talk. Exactly. It's a, it's a front of the room. Someone's heckling you. This is my response as opposed to a Mm -hmm. daytime talk show that like, you know, middle of America women watch this show and like look up to Ellen in a lot of ways. So I think you're you're right in that way. Let me tell you, I remember a couple of years, you know, how she loves to do the like behind the scenes prank shit, you know, in your ear and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember watching it a long time ago, like well before all of this stuff, like years and years ago. And I remember watching a show where they were doing like a segment like that. And there was a segment where the producers wanted to play a joke on Ellen herself. And they had like filled her SUV or something with like, like ping pong balls or something. And it was all hidden cameras in like the back of, in like the lot. And you oh saw her walk out oh no. to go to oh her no. car and it was the weirdest thing because like the just her demeanor in the way that she walked from the door to her car i immediately was like this is a different person like yeah. you she she just like exuded such a different energy and was not amused about the the balls in the car was not having it <laughs> and then once she found out that it was a thing it was like she like switched personalities and i remember being like that is so weird and i bet she's like that like in real life and yeah. Yeah. What do you know? Well, and the, listen, her last um, her last comedy special was called Relatable. And the whole joke of it was that she's so wealthy that Not. she's completely unrelatable. But mm-hmm. which I, I appreciated. I will I say I do. But I don't think it spin. actually worked. Like, I don't yeah. actually think it was ended up being very funny. And candidly, I think she's lost her edge in that way to make it really, really funny. And I think Listen, it's it's complicated because I know a lot of people are kind of championing the end of this show, like on social. We see a lot of people being like, all right, good riddance, like get out of here and go to Montecito and be done with it and live across the street from Oprah and fucking Megan and Harry and see it. Like, don't let the fucking gold door hit you. But I think, you know, Darren, you and I have talked about it on the show at the end of the day for even like people like you and I. And you, Brian, I'm throwing you in there, you Disney prince, you. Oh, thank you so much. She's having that representation on TV for 20 years has been so important. And it yeah. just, this isn't the most eloquent thing I'm going to say, but it just fucking sucks. She fucked it up. Yes. Like, but also like, I know. this This is you the know? thing though. Like, Damn it. We have, like, like, but like we have these conversations, I feel like about queer people where if you are like the first or one of the first big voices, it, it gets really complicated because everybody starts throwing everything on that one person sure. about to be like the representative. And like, I remember like, I'm from Utah originally. And like, I remember in the early aughts going back to Utah to like visit and people like trying to relate with me because they knew that I was gay by being like, oh, like, you know, I like Ellen's one of my favorite shows, which is insane to think about now. But at the time... <laughs> Yeah, they were. They, that was them being like, "Oh, like I'm kind of in your world in a way." So, like I, like you said, like I do appreciate everything that she's done, but I, I just feel like it's almost, you know, like you were saying, she's built her brand on this like unrealistic standard of like happiness and kindness. It's inevitable that the pendulum is going to swing the other way, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, because I deal, I mean, we all sort of deal a lot in this like celebrity world so much so that like, I think all of us can sort of appreciate a celebrity, but also kind of understand that they're human beings too. And like Mm -hmm. neither one of us would want to be judged 
on our very worst day. Like, you know, on our very worst days, like none of us are great people. Like, and that's what makes us nuanced and interesting and layered and, 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 and fun in a lot of ways. But I think for Ellen, there's just been so many instances over the years. And I think to your point, Bri, a little bit, which is why I have a little bit of empathy here. And I don't, I'm not going to be one of those people that's like good riddance because an Ellen apologist. <laughs> and yeah. And I'm not going to be an Ellen. I'm not like praising her behavior, but like, mm-hmm. I think there's probably a lot to it. She's given up a lot for us. And I imagine that when you get to be that level, I mean, she really is like, if you say the word lesbian, I mean, it's her, like, I yeah. mean, like you could argue Rosie would come to mind, you know, we, we have Jane Lynch, we have people, but like, it's Ellen. I mean, she's really the face of of, of what that is. I mean, the pressure of being the right lesbian, the right gay, the first mm-hmm. gay, the this has to be fucking crazy. I mean, Liz and I get shit on all the time from people who are like, you guys are, you know, not queer enough, bad queers, you're not representing this, this and that. They're like, we're just Liz and Darren who happen to be lesbian and bisexual talking about these issues. No one's fucking perfect. And if the yeah. whole world was on my fucking ass about this, that probably would make me a bitchy person too. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, I I, I, am completely aligned with you. Yeah, in that way. I'm not saying that that justifies shitty behavior, though, to employees. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be Mrs. Sunshine every fucking two seconds either. No, and here's the problem, or not the problem, but the reality of it is, I think, and we started talking about this kind of, you brought this up, Darren, in the beginning, and so did you, Bri, is like, her response now is very much like, I'm not fulfilled, you know, what she's talking about with Oprah, yeah. like she's done. I think she's just sort of like, I mean, she's made a couple of comments that you're like, Ooh, like when she said she didn't respond to the allegations of a hostile work environment because she thought it was quote stupid, not my quote oh my hers. Like, yeah. okay, Ellen, let's just call it a day. Like, thank you for your service. Like you have $200 million worth of property and just go See, redesign them. Yeah. You know, right huh. into the gay sunset. Yeah. Her money like doesn't bother me. I think that she's earned it, obviously. Like oh, she's gotten sure. the ratings. Of course. But for, but for me, I think if she had ended her career on something that was like, it's just not challenging. If she was like, listen, there's been a lot of negative press about me. And I understand I'm probably not everyone's favorite person, but I had a really lot of fun doing this run. And I want everyone to know I put my heart and soul into it. I know. It wasn't perfect. I, and oh I think God. it's time I end my career. Yes. Do you know how many fucking people would be like, I'm in love with you again? You're a human the being. I'm obsessed with you. Like, I- All of that just, I never understand why PR people are like, let's put this spin on it. I'm like, do you think the public is that stupid? Because I don't. Like all three of us could read through the word challenging in about two fucking seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also, it's a little bit of like a old school way of thinking when it comes to that PR spin, because I think maybe back in the day that is how you were to, you know, address a crisis like this. But now I think, especially the further we get, like, I think everybody wants authenticity. They want people to just be themselves, good yes. and bad. Like, Own obviously, it. there needs to be accountability for like shitty, uh, you know, habitual actions like treating staff in a poor way or, or having a toxic work environment. But like, you can just be yourself. You don't have to have like this insane like smile every day. Like, we want real people, you know. And like, celebrities are celebrities, but they are also real people. And that's who right. people are like really gravitating to now, I think, are the people that are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm famous, but I'm also like a normal person like all of you guys. You know what I mean? Exactly. 100%. Well, Bri, I love you. I could talk. You're going to come back We're on gonna the show. We're going to tell everybody. Ask you oh this. Ask, I'm going to ask my friends. I'm going to ask Liz. I'm going to ask Rachel. We love Bri. We love Bri. I we want you back. We love you both so much. I would love to come <laughs> back anytime you need me. 
Now, Please. before we tee up Alaska, this show yep. is, we're very lucky to have a sponsor for this show, which is <gasps> FX. She's and it's legit. a great, I am it's so, so excited great. for this They've sponsor. They've got a new docu-series called Pride. And I was wondering if you could tell us, as Pride is coming up, what is something that you love to do during Pride? Or like, what is something that's like, that you get excited about when you pride, look forward to. Yeah, you look forward to. I love to present in like a flamboyant way. I love to have my nails done. I love to wear makeup. I love to like wear all the things, you know? And like, I always try to present in that way, but I feel like during Pride, it just becomes a little bit easier. It's just a little bit less pressure. Like it's, I feel like I can just kind of like come out and wear what I want to wear. And people are like, yes, I love that. I love that dress. Like I love your nails. Like it just feels like this like sense of, especially in New York, like this sense of like community. And I mean, it's like, like getting your vaccine now. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just I like don't that. have to wear a mask around you. Okay. I can wear sparkle. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it's just like kind of that like understanding that like, yes, like we are all like out here. So happy to like, just like be who we are authentically who we are. And like, there's just like this like unspoken like acceptance between everybody, which I just like love that vibe and that feeling. It's just like, oh, it's my favorite thing ever. I love it. Uh, I, love I love it. it. A- well, speaking of a vibe, we've got Alaska Thunderfuck on the oh show God. today. Boy, is she. Uh, let me tell you, we do have video reference of her outfit, which I felt <laughs> wildly underdressed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's a queen. She course. came she's through amazing. with Beverly Hills Hotel extravaganza uh, yeah like only alaska could pull off and listen as we do on scissoring isn't a thing it was very vulnerable we talked about her cleaning her shit up after she won all stars season two reclaiming words yeah we she's talked all about, about it. it all it was kind of perfect that we talked about ellen darren today because we alaska has a new comedy special on out tv and we talked about the comedy special which you watched i watched we loved so yeah so Bri, I'm so glad that you and Darren met. I know you guys are going to hang I out. I can't in wait New York to scissor with me. you, Bri, when oh I see my God, you next. I cannot wait. I'm going to put you scissoring on my calendar. I can't oh wait. Oh my God. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Bri. It was great meeting you. We can't wait to have you back. And everyone, um, where can they follow you, Bri? Because your makeup yeah. is banana cans and I want people to see the pigeons and I want people oh. to see the dogs. I mean, it's a lot. I need to see the fucking <laughs> pigeons. Jesus. There is so much bird content. There's so much makeup content on Instagram. You can follow me at Bry Crash. It's B R Y C R A S C H. So like a car oh. crash, but there's a C, a little C in there in between that S and the H. And we will yeah. tag uh, Bry on everything so you guys can follow him. I love you. I miss you. Oh, I love you so much. So nice to meet you both. <laughs> Liz, you're proud, right? I think so. I think you are. I certainly am. And that's why I actually really want to talk to you about this six-part documentary series coming out on FX. FX's Pride is a six-part documentary series chronicling the struggle for LGBTQ plus civil rights in America from the 1950s through the 2000s. Six renowned LGBTQ plus directors explore heroic and heartbreaking stories that define us as a nation. Each episode makes use of its own unique storytelling devices used to explore the hidden history of the LGBTQ community, ranging from reenactments to archival footage to deeply moving personal interviews. FX's Pride explores topics which you might not be very familiar with, 
such as the FBI's surveillance of homosexuals during the Lavender Scare in the 1950s, while also taking a closer look at the more widely reported AIDS epidemic of the 1980s and the culture wars of the 1990s. The impact of these events has inspired and galvanized many within the LGBTQ community to create policies and organizations that still fight for equality today. FX's Pride is a special two-week event starting Friday, May 14th on FX. Streaming next day, FX on Hulu. I'm incredibly excited about today. A little nervous. Ooh. I don't know, like, who we're going to be after this, to be honest with you, Darren. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be gay, if I'm going to be straight. Am I going to keep my lesbianism? I don't know, because I'm very <laughs> conflicted about this next guest. I feel, I feel all sorts of ways about this. We have Alaska Thunderfuck on the show today. A cosmic collision propelled Alaska to Earth and on to the fifth season of RuPaul's Drag Race, where she finished right. in the final three before returning and taking the crown as winner of season two of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, which in my opinion is actually really the motherfucking thing to win because it's like real competition. <laughs> yeah. She released three chart-topping studio albums. And if my mother is listening, I apologize. Anus, Pound Cake, and Vagina, <laughs> all available on iTunes. All three I love. All three necessities of life. Alaska has been a cast member on VH1's hit reality series, Scared Famous. Aren't we all scared? And aren't we all scared and famous? Released yes. a young adult novel titled Alaska Thunder Fun and the Inner Space Odyssey, part of the sickening adventures fiction series available everywhere books are sold online. Don't worry, I'm still going. Stars as Hattie in the short horror film, The Quiet Room. Alaska also co-hosts the wildly popular Race Chaser podcast with Willem. And her yes. YouTube videos boast over 60 million views with 15 million views alone and counting for 2017's The Tea. She has over 1.7 million Instagram followers and over 1.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Her message to humankind, if you're not wearing nails, you are not doing drag, which let me tell I, you, Alaska, I am the fucking nail queen. No, like, welcome to the show, Alaska Thunderfuck. That's, that's the first thing. But like, okay, let me ask you this. Can you be a drag queen, but bite your fingernails like me? Do you have to wear fake nails? Just walk me through it a little bit. Nails scare thing. me as a lesbian. Okay. Here's the thing. My <laughs> stance started out as very staunch on the on the you know subject <laughs> of nails, and and I put out a song that said, "If you're not wearing nails, you're not doing drag." Well, <laughs> I have evolved so much as a person, oh. and my stance has changed, and now I believe it's your fingers and it's your choice, and so. <laughs> You, if you're not wearing nails, I don't give a damn. I don't care if you if you are say if you say you're doing drag, then by golly, I believe you. That's that's my stance now. So your new motto is: if you have fingers, use them wisely. Is what basically that, what you got. See, now that's <laughs> yeah. a song. That's a hit. That no, is not, a hit. I don't wear nails right now. But why? Because. I'm in front of a computer oh. and I can do, I can conduct an entire interview like this. As if you have no hands. Yes. I have no hands. My hands are a mystery. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm the only one doing any kind of drag then. Every you day. win in the category. Yes. You do. In the category. 
Yeah, you're the winner. Now, Alaska, every guest we have on Scissoring, we ask them how they identify uh, sexually usually, but also you can say gender preference here. Many people have different answers. We were wondering if you wouldn't mind answering how you like to be identified. Do you have any specific pronouns? Do you not give a thunderfuck? Let us know what you think. (laughs) I mean, as far as pronouns, I'm very like, you know, I mean, because I dabble in all of the colors of the rainbow as far as gender goes. And like, so like he is fine out of drag. She is great in drag. I don't really like being called he in drag because I find it insulting. When my mom or my brother call me Justin in drag, it's just very jar. That's like the rule. It's like just <laughs> leave the leave the government birth certificate name at the door when I look this way. Please. You always know when parents are mad at you when they pull like the the, the middle Ooh. name. It's like Darren Elizabeth Carp. Do not do that. But for you, yes. it's calling you by your birth name. And just oh. if you're in drag, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. you're in trouble if that happens. What's more offensive, though, being called a he in drag or being called a she not in drag? See, I don't mind being called a she out of drag. I love it because I'm okay. like fierce work. I, I, I've i <laughs> been like I've been called ma'am on planes and stuff like that. That doesn't bother me. But like what? But like when I'm in drag, I'm like, no, just, let's just keep it to she, shall we? Yes. Have you ever been on a plane in drag or would you ever go on a plane in drag? I try to avoid it, but we did do it once just to say that like we did it, like me yeah. and my two friends, Willem and Courtney Act. Um, we were on tour in Australia and literally Australian airports are like what TSA must have been like in the 30s. Like you can just like walk oh. in to the go to the gate if you feel like you don't have to have a ticket if you want to. <laughs> Yes, have a good time. So like we were like, if we're going to do it anywhere, we might as well do it in fucking Australia. So we flew in drag. I was the only one who wore heels. Wearing heels was a mistake because the airport is basically all walking, which I didn't realize. Yes, (laughs) typically. I will say one of the things I thoroughly appreciate about your comedy special was that you made the the combat boots made a cameo multiple times. (laughs) And as a lesbian, thank you for recognizing that combat boots can be sexy too, comfortable, but sexy. So thank you. You, uh, I needed that. that. (laughs) (laughs) Now you talked about your brother and your mother. Where did you grow up originally? I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. That feels Um, also very on brand. Yeah. I know. Like, it's like that show Erie, Indiana, except we're only, we only have one E. Erie with one E. But yeah, no, like, and my whole, like a bunch of my family still lives in Erie, Pennsylvania. And I go back there a few times per year to like visit. I love it there. I know when Darren asked you how you identify, we kind of went over like gender pronouns. Mm -hmm. What would you say sexually you identify as would you say that you identify as queer or gay or it's so weird I mean I know that like technically I'm queer I just have always like really liked and like vibrated toward gay as a as a like word and as a sort of 
as a feeling and a phenomenon. I just, I really like being gay, even though I am like <laughs> just queer as fuck, but I like being gay. I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's everyone's personal choice, but like if someone were to call me queer, I wouldn't be like, no, fuck you. I'm not queer. Yeah. Obviously we are queer, but like if, yeah. if someone's going to be like, how would you identify? I probably wouldn't say queer. I'd say gay or lesbian, like yeah. hands down, probably even homosexual, probably for, for queer. And I don't know why. Did you grow up thinking that queer was like a derogatory term? Did you kind of grow up thinking that queer was like this empowering term for what we are? I love queer. I like, I love the term queer. I love the reclaiming of it. It was yeah. never really, I, I think I skipped the part where that was like, yeah, you fucking queer. Like, right. I think it was like, <laughs> it was like fat. It was like a fag. Like I would get called a fag or like a fag, which now I, I reclaim those and I find those terms very powerful and more descriptive of how I identify myself the, than anything else but like gay, gay and fat like I, I like being gay and fag but I also fall deeply under the queer umbrella of course and it's evolving I mean I think as we interview more and more people and even myself like we learn new terms and I my best friend's daughter who's like 13 came to me and said I'm omnisexual I'm like well what does that mean and she's like well I guess I'm bisexual, but I just like girls more. And I was like, maybe that's what I am. So I feel like it's wow. always changed. I know the kids, it's the youth. They, I mean, who knows? The youths, <laughs> the youths of America. And I have a question. I went to school in Pennsylvania, although Pennsylvania is a very big state. Okay. I went Where? to this school called Lafayette in Eastern Pennsylvania. So it's kind uh -huh. of on the, on the other side, right by Jersey. But oh, okay. basically what they say about Pennsylvania is like, you got Philly, you got Pittsburgh, and then the rest of it is like Alabama. Did you find that growing up in Erie, Pennsylvania happened to be pretty conservative? Like, what was your upbringing like? Did you have any experiences with drag or anything at a young, young age? Well, Erie is in the upper northwestern corner of the state. So we don't really fall into the like middle area of like Pennsylvania, which we call yeah. it. Yes, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Pennsylvania. Yes. Right. But that's like fierce because we could go for a short drive and we could be deeply in the woods and like have a really great like nature experience. So like I love that aspect of it. And I love that I went to high school at Fort LaBeouf and there were kids in my class who had Southern accents. And I was like, I don't, how do I sound like, I, I don't know, Betty Davis is fucking understudy. And we, we live in the same city and there's people with Southern accents. I don't know, but it was fierce. I liked it. <laughs> when did you know that you were gay or different, not straight rather? When did I know that I was you know, you know, you know this, that this thing that yeah. way, yeah. pretty much always. It was very, very early. And I, I think my mom knew too. And because it was just like, it was kind of obvious. I was very, very sensitive and I, you know, and very like, I mean, I don't know, I guess feminine, I think just more like sensitive than other people. And so I would like cry a lot and I, I was supposed to do sports because I was a boy and I hated sports and I would cry on the field. And I was definitely a special child. <laughs> I'm like, that's so funny. I used to cry on the field when they used to try to make me do sports. <laughs> My mommy's 
Like, why my mom used to yell at me for spitting on the soccer field. So I guess one man sport can be gay. Right, one yeah. man sport could be, you could be a lesbian. And it gets right, really yeah. matter. Do you, did you feel like you had to have a kind of a coming out moment or was it just something that felt natural and everybody kind of knew, or did you have one of those quintessential like coming out stories or moments? It was a little bit of both because I mean, I, everyone pretty much knew that, you know, that I was gay or that I was queer, that I was different. Everybody knew that, but the coming out moment I did have with my mom and, and it was very nice because she was very, she asked me, you know, point blank, like, are wow. you a homosexual? And, and we had a, a crying moment in the kitchen and in, in our trailer and it was beautiful. And then she was like, okay, good. Cause I told your whole family already. They already, know, and, they're <laughs> oh all, and they're all cool with it. They're all accepting. And I'm like, thanks mom. Thanks were you happy? She, leg work. That's what I was going to say. Were you happy? You know, that's a very <laughs> personal thing. I mean, were you happy she sort of did the dirty work for you? Or were you kind of like, oh, I wanted that moment to, you know, have with my I family. Was, I was thrilled because I'm horrible at communication and I hate doing it. So she took care of it for me. And I really appreciated that. You hate communication, yet you're yeah. a beautiful, gorgeous drag queen who goes on tour and performs and speaking engagements. Am I... Still nailing you down here? Oh, you... no, I can do that. I can <laughs> communicate on a stage, interpersonal. Yeah, we're talking about like intimacy. Yeah, yeah. I have. Uh... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like who wants that? Very overrated. Yeah, we're talking about life-changing moments here. Right, exactly. That's so good. Did you have also like, so what about drag? Like, let's talk because I feel like you, when you came on the scene with RuPaul's Drag Race, like you and Sharon, for me as a viewer, were kind of like spooky queens. I don't know if that's like yeah. the right way to describe it, but I'm like, ooh, this is very different and this is very fun and unique. Comedic, spooky, high fashion, like had to make you think. When did you start doing drag? And were you always what I, I guess, I don't know, is it called spooky queen? What would you say? Most like, was that always your brand? Brand, I think. Yeah, yeah, right. Or did it evolve? I think that we were always outsiders in drag. So yeah. we we always were like, we were the girls who weren't really getting booked at the normal places drag queens would get booked because we were a little weird. We were messy. Like uh, we would make a mess. We would shave our head. We would like paint ourselves. We would like splatter shit on people. So then when Sharon went on Drag Race, she sort of, she was never really like, I'm the haunted Halloween queen, like until she went on Drag Race. And then that's sort of the thing that kind of hooked and like kind of worked. And she really ran with it. And so since then, it became like, you know, coffins and bats and everything like that. But before it was just like we were the drag weirdos. Right. But being spooky or macabre is sort of like, I don't know, I guess a, like a relatable metaphor for that i mean i was always like sharon would always describe me as like on the monsters there was the the character named marilyn who was just like <laughs> everyone else was a monster but marilyn was just like this normal lady living in the house that was me i'm marilyn yes <laughs> yeah are you watching the season of rupaul's drag race by the way alaska Yes. Okay, because I will say watching your comedy special, I saw Simone in the background and I really freaked out and I felt like I was in the room with you and I texted Liz and I was like, I can't believe Simone is there. Oh my God. Who are you rooting for on this season of Drag Race? Like, who do you want to see win? 
Oh my goodness. It, well, it's really hard for me to say because I have a few horses in the race because I love the representation of LA that's going on. I mean, right, Simone yeah. is so gorgeous and just crushing it and really representing LA and the house of Avalon so much and got Mick of course is also LA and groundbreaking and show stopping genius. Never the same. Uh, another club, another club bus, uh, airplane candy muse. We did a song together. Like I I've gotten to know her a lot. She's amazing. Rose I've worked with so many. So it's like, I, I cannot at this point choose who I want to win, but I'm very much enjoying watching it. I'm really heavily into it. Like it is my favorite show to watch every Friday. It's like my church and I watch it. I smoke a little weed and I get very excited about ending my week there. And I just have so many questions. And and your, your comedy special kind of brought this up because there was a female performing in drag on your comedy special. I believe it was a, a cisgender woman or am I wrong about that? Was it, I think she won the competition. I can't remember her name now. I'm blanking, but it was amazing. Was it a cisgender woman who won? Her stage name is Sabiana and yes, she's, she's an assigned female at birth, uh, lesbian drag performeress and she's amazing. (laughs) I mean, it brought me, it would like brought me to tears how amazing she was Yeah, and got Mick is sort of transforming that uh, for lack of a better term there as the first Mm -hmm. like openly, you know, uh, trans member to kind of come on the show. Can women, cisgender women be drag queens and can they compete on RuPaul's drag race? Like, is that a thing or do cisgender women have to be drag kings? Is there a rule? Well, first of all, drag is sort of anti-rules to me. My philosophy of drag is like, as soon as you say this is what drag is and this is what it isn't, then drag changes and mutates and becomes something completely new, which is why I love drag. And that's what, what excites me about it as an art form. So there are no rules. Anyone can do drag. Anyone can call themselves a drag queen, whether you're assigned female at birth or not, no matter what you're assigned uh, at birth. It Drag is for everyone at all times. Now, RuPaul's Drag Race, as of right now, I don't think anytime soon we're going to be seeing AFAB performers being cast on the show. And it took a really long time for the sort of like representation of trans artists to be opened up to RuPaul's Drag Race. But it is happening and it's ongoing and Drag Race is always changing. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. I think it should happen anytime soon. And who knows, maybe it will happen someday. Well, and it's funny because this season, I've noticed that even all of the taglines have changed to be more inclusive mm-hmm. than they were. Have you mm-hmm. noticed that than they used to be before they were really yes. gendered and now Rue isn't doing that anymore, which is kind yes. of awesome. So it's like these small changes, even like that you might not catch unless you've been watching for a while, which has been fantastic. Yeah. You talk about representing LA, which I love. Darren's in New York. I'm here in West Hollywood. And Darren and I had the privilege to interview Rachel Mason about six months ago, uh, who is the director of Circus of Books, which Mm -hmm. you were also in that documentary. Can you tell us and the listeners kind of what your involvement with Circus of Books was and maybe how that (laughs) impacted you? (laughs) Are there a couple of films on the shelves there or no? (laughs) 
Oh my God. It's so fun. It's so wild because when I moved to West Hollywood and I was trying to like find a job, I was like, I would fucking love to work in a porn store, dude. That's my dream job. And I applied there all the time. It was like drag race. I kept applying. I didn't get it. I kept applying. Like they wouldn't, they wouldn't hire me. Then finally I got hired at Circus of Books, my dream job working in a porn store. And let me tell you, it was just as mundane and grueling (laughs) as any normal gig that you're doing to pay your rent. I guess, you know, I guess I got like free poppers sometimes and I got like free porno (laughs) DVD, right. Free porno DVD rentals. So like, I really like trained myself in how to like, I could distinguish poppers flavors just from the smell. Like I got really good at them. So I, but it was just a job to me. I worked there for exactly one calendar year. Okay. And they sort of, Mrs. Mason, who is a, a show. She is the- so Mrs. Mason though. Cause she's so like proper and like cute and hometown. She is a Mrs. Mason for sure. But she's also terrifying. No. <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel like from watching the documentary, like Mrs. Don't Mason fuck did with not her. fuck around. Like yeah. she would be no. the scary boss. She was the scary boss, but she also was like, and still to this day, she's like, so wait, you do drag? Do you make a living doing that? You're a classic mom, a classic mom. What do your parents think about that? I'm like, girl, I'm like, but I, it was great to do that film because I got to like sit down and like unpack all of this stuff. I didn't know any of that stuff about the Masons and their backstory and their oh, wow. like their very compelling backstory about like helping the queer community as much as they did. I was just a working schlub who had a job and I was grateful <laughs> to get paid, you know? <laughs> okay. You are, I can't imagine Alaska being a schlub in <laughs> any type of form. Like <laughs> even you out of getting ready for drag, like I still can't see you being a schlub in any sort of, <laughs> you know, I'm curious, though, because you've been doing drag for how long now? Like, how long would you say you've been making it a career for yourself? I think my first drag show was in, like, 2007. Wow. Okay, so 15 years or so, let's say, you know, rougher. I mean, that's it. But in 15 years, if I think back to 2007, the world has changed. Gays can get married now. I mean, sort of just, just... Uh, you know, trans rights are now being uh, on the forefront, whereas gay rights really had that then. I'm wondering for you in drag, do you think there needs to be more diversity? And I don't necessarily mean, you know, uh, more Asian drag or or black drag. What I mean by like, in terms of the type of femininity that is portrayed, because it's when Elliot with two T's who on this season came into drag race on the first episode, she wore a pantsuit. And I think I texted Liz and I was like, look at this queen with a pantsuit, but I wear (laughs) pantsuits all the time. And I was like, I've never seen that like a drag queen, a pantsuit, but like, I consider myself a chapstick lesbian and and feminine in my own way, even though I wear suits. Do you kind yeah. of want to see a different way to portray being this aspirational woman than just dresses and heels and lots of makeup? I mean, is there room for that in drag? I think definitely. And I mean, I think we're seeing that even on this season. I mean, we're seeing like like different takes on what it means to do drag because gender is something that, thank God, is sort of like being 
loosened up or sort of being like a little bit like the middle ground between gender is being more explored just like in our culture which is great which means drag is just like and drag has helped make that happen a little bit but I think that opens the doors for like for like yes every type of fucking what does it mean to be drag I don't know are there any drag queens that are dressing as older women, like as grandmas? Because <laughs> Golden be- Girls is constantly referenced. And I'm like, how come no one's dressing like a drag granny up in here? I mean, Ginny Lemon kind of toes that line on UK Drag Race. She's a very like, she dresses like an alien who's also 100 years old. <laughs> like that's kind of like her vibe, <laughs> which is fabulous and they also did i it was very satisfying that uh when uh cameron michaels and eureka o'hara lip synced to new attitude by patty labelle dressed as old women because the runway challenge was like old person drag yes and it's one of the best lip syncs ever and i I love getting to i love getting to do like older characters because i'm like good work i mean i I'm pretty close, so yeah. great. <laughs> Lean it. into it. You've been uh, doing this for 15 years. You might as well be an octogenarian at this point. Your old hat. Yeah. <laughs> How has it been being a drag performer in quarantine? I mean, I feel like the shows and the clubs, and it's oh. such a huge part of it, and it's a way for you to practice yeah. your material. You know, like how has this been yeah. for you? dreadful and horrible um but i mean it's been dreadful and horrible i think for for everybody around the world but drag especially was really hit hard because it was like all all of your spaces where you get to do what you do and where you get to come together as a queer community all of those spaces disappeared and were closed overnight But the thing that's really hopeful is that the next day, drag queens were like, okay, I have an online show on Instagram and then (laughs) I have a show on Twitch. So like, it was really cool and really inspiring to see that like drag will survive. Like even the apocalypse, you can't keep drag down. So that's been really inspiring. Yeah, you could do lip sync battles on Instagrams, you know, and we can watch. It's like the versus battles and stuff. It totally works in your comedy special, which I which I love because you really you really bring so much light to deadpan humor, which I appreciate. You talk about this Jeffrey Epstein joke that you make and and that you're questioning kind of or at least from what I've seen, whether or not it's appropriate to say. I don't know how serious you you were about questioning it, but you questioned whether or not you're like, is it appropriate time? Is it too much? How do you toe the line in comedy, especially now when a lot of things are, are, are sensitive, hot topic issues? Is there anything you won't joke about? Isn't comedy kind of supposed to make you uncomfortable? What do you think about it? I think that comedians are doing a really important job in that they take the things that are horrible in this world, which there are plenty to choose from. And (laughs) they shine some light on them and they put a spin on them and they communicate about them, which therefore makes the world a little less dreadful and a little less horrifying. I haven't done the legwork that comedians do. And I have so much respect for like, for real ass comedians who are out there doing like 
stand up at shows and doing comedy clubs and like do like honing that craft. I have so much respect for that. I am a drag queen who tells jokes sometimes. So <laughs> I do not, I don't consider myself to be like a comedian warrior who is, you know, fighting for freedom of speech and fighting for the, like that. I have so much respect for that. I am just a drag queen. I try not to hurt people's feelings, I guess. Like, I don't want to make anyone feel diminished or smaller from anything that I'm going to say or do on stage, whatever that is. And if that's always changing, then like, I'm always learning, you know? Fair enough. How does some of your exes, AKA Sharon, feel about when you talk about them in your lyrics? <laughs> she loves it as long as she's being <laughs> yeah. talked about. She loves it. <laughs> that bitch loves bad publicity and good publicity. It's publicity. No, I mean, I remember when the tea came out and I was kind of shocked because I'm like, oh, you're talking about some like serious shit. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, okay, all right. But yeah, fair. If you're not being talked about, then that song is so weird to me because it was like a diary entry and like it was about a really important major stuff that was going on in my life. And now I don't even perform that song anymore because it's like it was stuff that happened like six years ago. And I'm like, I don't like different place. <laughs> I'm really good friends with Sharon. And my, like, well, of course, like the, our life has changed so much. And it's weird because that's like one of my biggest songs. But I'm like, you're not going to hear it in concert. Yeah. Well, you also <laughs> talk about not drinking. You know what I mean? Like not being the drunk queen on stage not you know what I mean right. I mean, what was the fan response at the time I mean did I, I know that you know we talk about it a lot in the queer community obviously drugs and alcohol are something yeah. that a lot of us struggle with you know in different ways did you get a lot of response from fans when the song came out about that well, I mean, it was even before that is like I had sort of a journey with like reassessing my relationship with drugs and drinking. And I started out after season five, every single door was open to me and everyone was saying yes to me. And you're, you know, I was being flown around to different places and it was like drugs are on the menu, free drinks are on the menu, anything that you want, child who has never had money in their life is now on the menu. And it was tore up. I fucking, I tore it up. <laughs> and Michelle Visage had a conversation with me at one point and was like, you can do whatever you want, but if you are known for being the train wreck queen who comes to town and gets wasted and gets high and goes on stage and just is a mess, this isn't going to be a very long journey for you. Right. And Wow. And so that was a really important like turning point. And I like quit drinking for, I think like two years or like three years. And so I got to like relearn what it was like to do drag without being wasted on stage. Yeah. Not relearn. I got to learn how to do drag without being drunk. And it was really like, it was really life-changing for me. And that was an important part of my life. I mean, I drink now, but not when I'm fucking, I, not when I have to go on stage. As Jackie Beat says, when you're the drag queen on stage, you are the fucking captain of the giant cruise ship and everyone in the audience is on the boat. So you, I don't want to be like impaired. It's hard. It's not like Darren and I, we did a pilot of this show. You yeah. remember you, me and Taylor. And we <laughs> yep. were, we were, we're like hammered. 
We were hammered. hammered. Talking about. I don't even remember what the fuck we talked about. (laughs) Talking about fucking nonsense. And I'm like, people don't realize, I think. And that's why I really loved it when you talked about it in the song. Because it's like this like pop song. Again, it's the tea. We're all thinking like, God knows what you're going to say. And you're like, I don't do. I'm not drinking. You do clarify that you don't touch the Tina, which I do appreciate. Um, Because that's a whole nother. Poppers only. Poppers poppers only. only. (laughs) Yes. But, you know, I think people don't talk about how like it's not a great experience to watch someone hammered on stage. I saw you on stage downtown LA for like the Queens of comedy. And you had your like scepter. It was right after and your crown. It was right after the win. And you seem very in charge of the cruise ship to me. If I remember correctly, you're welcome. I was like, let's keep it going. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I have a question for you in drag as well. If someone wanted to get started in drag, how would you recommend a beginner kind of coming at it? Do you look at other people like you, Shangela, Candy Muse, these these drag queens and kind of take little pieces of what you like from something? Or is that kind of appropriating what you the brand that you've created or do you recommend, you know, wanting to be as unique and, and shocking as possible? What's your advice for someone who kind of wants to get into that world, but really doesn't know where to start and doesn't want to be rude to the queens that came before him or her? Well, my advice to queens who are first starting out in drag is always the advice that comes from Lady Bunny, which is retire. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think everyone should do drag and try it and dabble and play. And why not? The issue now that in, in drag, that's different than when, you know, when I was starting in drag back in like when my space was the hottest app there was. Now there's so many resources that like you can get great wigs and you can learn how to do great makeup and you have all these resources online for how to do drag because drag is really like a viable career choice now. So there's a lot of resources to learn how to do it. So the challenge becomes how do you differentiate yourself from everyone else? Because if everyone else is looking at the same tutorials to learn how to do their makeup, then everyone's going to end up looking the same. And then it's like, what's the fucking point of that? So the challenge for young Queens is to like figure out what makes you, you and what you like and what you aesthetically like are and like go with that quick question just about makeup when you do the purple thing on your eyebrows what is that what is the purple Blue. it's glue it, but why is it purple it's elmer's glue stick remember the glue sticks the purple glue sticks yeah but why purple is there a reason yes there is a reason because the purple ones are better there they uh. have the like white glue sticks but they like dry differently and they're not as good like the purple glue sticks are lit and they dry better. And then you just cover it with makeup. So. And how do you yeah, get the glue black. off of your eyebrows? Hot water. I, I'm just learning so much. I, I plead ignorance on this. I just got to ask the right questions here. Your Beverly Hills Hotel, like mixed with a zebra Barbie. It's everything we it's needed. Really everything we need. Like you are just. It's safari chic. No, you is what literally it is. look like a Barbie. I mean, it is yeah. my favorite. <laughs> I'm just like, I want to go through the Zoom and just like play with you all day. Okay. Math is hard. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that one of Barbie's first saying? 
Definitely. Horrible. And I'm hungry. Um, okay. I'm hungry. <laughs> Speaking of games, we love to play a couple of games <gasps> at the end of every show. Yes. So the first one we're going to do is called Scissor Me This, which is just like <laughs> rapid, <laughs> rapid fire nonsense. Okay. Okay. Who looks more like Britney Spears, Willem or Derek Berry? Me. What is... <laughs> Like what's an overdone? What's an overdone drags like lip sync song? Well, okay. Uh, how about uh, at a Christmas show? All I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey. Fair, it, fair. It's, not, it's not that I don't want to see it. I'm just saying that like don't show up to the club with that as your mix and say and be surprised if four other girls are also doing it. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I watch a show that's all that song. Okay. Fuck <laughs> Mary Kill, Rose, Dorothy, or Blanche. Okay, kill Blanche. Um, <laughs> that was so quick. Uh, girl. You're um, like, fuck Blanche, that person. <laughs> fuck that, Mo. I'm like, oh my uh, uh, Yeah, kill Blanche, fuck Rose, marry Dorothy. Mm, okay. Mm. Most famous person to slide into your DMs? I guess, like, um, there was someone. Is it Miley? Oh my God, you're so famous that you don't even remember if Miley I, I fucking Cyrus went into your DMs. Like, who the fuck are we talking to? Like, I would remember Miley Cyrus coming to my DMs. You're like, was it Miley? Was it Rihanna? Was it Beyonce? I can't remember. No, I think remember. that's the problem is that it's like, how do you you're too famous more fame than the, the rest? Yeah. That's a, that's a good one though. Miley's a good one. Okay. Okay. Uh, last time you got a dick pic sent to you. Oh, well, last night, but it it isn't what you think. My best friend, Nick, likes to send me pictures from Sasha Bell's Twitter. And Sasha Bell was on Drag Race and then has since gone on to become like a male sexual content creator. Mm. And so Nick likes to send me like um, Sasha Bell tweets and and be like, can you believe this? I mean, oh. also, please include Darren and I in those uh, in that group chat. Um, and then yeah, final one. I know so you good. talk about terrible makeup. Mm -hmm. What is you typically the terrible makeup mistake that most drag queens make? I think that like it can get kind of crazy with the like with the nose contouring. It can mm. get kinda, it can get kind of crazy. Like, just remember that like you want to like look like a like a person, you know. Don't don't you unless you don't. No, see? no rules in drag. But well, like, that Mick doesn't look like a person, but her makeup is on point every right. time. Right. right, right. If it's like it, sometimes nose contouring or like really harsh contouring can just be really like strange and like unnerving. And if that's the effect you're trying to give, good for you. But if you're just trying to like look like a person <laughs> i think it's really like the crazy. blending i think it's the blending of the contours it's you hard don't it yeah. is, it's not easy it's not easy and alaska I, we're introducing a game with you uh th this week and we're calling it the drag gag and it's essentially oh. where we ask drag legends like yourself to glow up regular folks like liz and i and bestow them with a new drag persona so i'm gonna okay. rattle off some names for you and i want you to tell me what you think their drag name would be oh but we're gonna God. show you pictures so, so that way you have a little visual oh to go with it. Oh my God, you guys. Okay, great. Okay, the first one, Rachel Maddow. Rachel, why are you mad though? <laughs> Sorry. <I don't... laughs> 
Yes. Next one, we have Mickey Rourke. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on. Ginger, Ginger Vitus. Oh my god. She has red hair, Ginger. God, that's so good. Okay, that's next good. one. Oh, that's that's really delicious. Next one we have Andy Cohen, my <gasps> boss. I think Andy Cohen's so pretty. I don't okay, oh, let me man. see. Uh Bonnie Cunt. Yes, that is the correct answer. Yep, that is it. <laughs> that is the one. <gasps> Queen Elizabeth. Oh, oh my God. You need to incorporate Um, more of her clothing into your drag as well. Like I need to see a Queen Elizabeth Alaska Thunderfuck collab. I did her. I did her in the UK for Halloween once. And I did her, but like with white out like contacts. And I was like, and then I think I did how many licks by Lil' Kim. It was really, (laughs) they did not really like, um, I would yeah. name I yeah. would name her um Bridget over troubled waters. <laughs> I like that with a little Simon and Garfunkel mixed in there. Yeah. Okay, a few more for you. The next one is your lover, Darren Carp, <gasps> right here. What would my drag name be if I my, if you Well, oh okay. Um Lisa Newcar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just such a beautiful name. I'm writing that down and I may have to change my Instagram handle to Lisa Newcar because that's fucking perfect. It's good. It's a good one. How about Liz Liz Cully? How about Liz Cully? What would you give her? Um... uh, uh, <laughs> if he, if, I sort of go to Alaska. Yeah. Says rent a car. I'm gonna die. Oh my god! I'm gonna kill you both. Wait, wait. Uh, these are these are. I'm looking at my file of uh, drag uh, names, and they're really just really really horrible. Um, they're <laughs> Lisa really, Carr is good though. Okay, um, Cockamamie Eisenhower. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I might have a hard time pronouncing it, but I'm like, I'm here for a challenge anytime. Do you know what I mean? Don't let the blonde hair fool you. Oh my God. House that of is, Eisenhower. I live. Oh my God. Liz, all of a sudden you're German. We never knew. It's kind of crazy. I am. Uh, my 23 and me. You must have seen it. I'm totally a German somewhere, <laughs> somehow in these bones and whatever. Absolutely. Uh, And the last one for you, I believe we have one more. Shangela, if you could (gasps) rename Shangela, what are we giving her? Eartha Clit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm annoyed that wasn't mine. But that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I got Lisa Carr okay, okay, and she okay. gets she gets two oh, yeah. great ones. Like, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh God. My this God. was well, we're keeping the drag gag game for sure, but I don't think Alaska Alaska was a perfect inaugural guest uh for this. hundred percent. I'm honored. Oh my God. Liz, I'm winded from that. Yes. I Cockamamie. Mean, a ditto. Alaska, we know you, your special is coming out. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can find the special and all of that good stuff? I believe it's going to be uh, on Out TV on Ooh. April 15th. And Alaska, where can the people find you and follow you? Well, you can go to alaskathunderfuck.com uh, for all your Alaska Thunderfuck needs. And you can follow me on Instagram at the only Alaska 5000. 
Why 5,000? I like the sound of it. It's like, it sounds like a refrigerator. (laughs) I'm going to go lease a car and buy the Alaska 5,000 with my paycheck this week, people. That's what I'm doing. Uh, and everyone, you can follow us at SIAT Podcast. You can follow me at Carpe Darren. You can follow Liz at Listen to Liz. I haven't laughed this hard in a long time, Alaska. It was so great getting to talk to you. You are a true pleasure. Thank you. Same to both of you. I appreciate you so much. We love you. Okay, bye. Scissoring Isn't a Thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begas. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday.